Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Well, welcome to week four of this Twitter spaces slash podcast hybrid slash whatever you want to call it. Thank you all for being here or listening on the podcast. You guys are the real MVPs. Anyway, I've got the athletic Sam Stachel here to talk U.S. national team, some MLS stuff, and uh, I don't know, whatever we get to. Who knows? It's a lazy river. You know, if you're listening to this or following <laughs> me, I believe there's 100% overlap and certainty that you know and also follow Sam, but just in case. Sam is the gold standard in this business. He is one of the people who has helped me the most, which I'm incredibly grateful for, and uh, continues to do so pretty much bi-weekly, <laughs> anytime that I bother him with a question that I should know the answer to. Anyway, Sam, thank you for always for all of that. I thank you for joining now. How, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing so much better after that nice little ego boost you just gave me. Um, I needed that today. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's cool to be here. I like I like this concept. I like what you're doing. So I'm excited to uh, to talk some MLS and talk some national team and talk some soccer with you. Yeah, man. I'm excited, too. Um, one more thing to add for anybody listening. Again, I assume you know this, but he has a podcast with Paul Tutorial called Allocation Disorder, which is um, so far, I'd, I'd assume, or not assume, I know because I listen, is a higher production value, a higher professional value than this right here. So, uh, <laughs> check that out too. Man, uh, Tom, stop beating yourself up, okay? This is a live show. Allocation Disorder, <laughs> it's taped. You know, we get to mess with it. Mm-hmm. Some, it's edited. You know, Joe Lowry, like he, he, he makes it sound good. So you know, it is, it is, uh, but thank you again. And um, yeah, we'll have a show tomorrow night. We'll record it after the U.S. roster drops at, on SportsCenter um, at 6 p.m. Yeah. Eastern tomorrow night. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's a good transition. I was going to say, I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Um, somebody, one of the U.S. national team air quote fan accounts, uh, anonymous account that love to hate said that it should be a crime that people have to watch it on TV um, and listen to the, the roster being announced. So I think that's where the level of tension is. As we it should be a crime that it's announced Center. on SportsCenter? That people, that people have to watch it on SportsCenter. So whatever the viewership for SportsCenter is normally at 6 p.m. on a Thursday, that they're being force-fed this if they, you know, you know, they can't change the channel. Apparently. Ah, well, I'm not really sure what that person's saying, but um, weird take. Don't really get it. <laughs> I think it's cool. Although I tweeted this huge, huge missed opportunity to not do it with Stephen A. and Mad Dog Russo on Wednesday first day. <laughs> Although I, I do, I guess Stephen A. did call for Burhalter's job like last window, didn't he? After the Canada game, he got a little spicy with yeah. it. So maybe, maybe not. You know, not the friendly, friendly journalist they're looking for. But uh, no, it so, is a cool thing. So with that, what do you, what do you think the thought process was there for Stephen A. Did somebody say, "Hey, man"? Do you, like he, I, I'd imagine that he doesn't do editorial stuff because he's obviously the king on first take. So do you think that somebody wanted to get him to say something? It was just like, dude, look at this. And then just kind of put a camera in front of him and like let him go. Did Was he hmm. thinking about the national team? Does he have any context context towards what is happening? Well, right no. Now? Like, just fired from I the think, I think we can say he does not follow the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> I'm pretty confident in saying that. Um, I do think what, if I had to guess, obviously I don't know. I'm not reporting this stuff. But um, if I had to guess, I would say that he, well, given what he said, I would say he saw the result, 2-0 loss to Canada. 
he's like, the U.S. losing to Canada? That shouldn't happen. That shouldn't be a thing. And then he saw Berhalter's quote about how the U.S. dominated the game or controlled the game or whatever he said that got everybody all bent out of shape. And then he he got bent out of shape. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a it was a slow day. It was that, no, the NFL was still still going on at that moment. Um, so you know they had, yeah, they had plenty to talk about. But yeah, I guess that I guess that grabbed his attention. And I mean, the man is a content machine. He knows how yeah. to entertain. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that, that's 100%. And, uh, you know, I thought it was entertaining, but I'm not Greg Berhalter, so maybe he has a different opinion. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of Sugats and everybody. He saw a bad result, and let me just call for somebody's job. Let's, uh, let's, fire, up, <laughs> exactly. let's fire up the take. Exactly. Um, so on, on to the roster. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this live, it hasn't been out. Like Sam said, it's coming out tomorrow at 6 p.m. live on, on Sports on a Thursday. That is not necessarily tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. Sam and Paul Tenorio wrote a roster projection, which is already wrong. They go very it's already deep. wrong. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get to that part in a little bit. But um, I guess just you, your macro th- and and my understanding is this premise is what you think. Burhalter and the staff, yes, right? Rather yes, than yes. Paul and Sam were the head, co-head yeah. coaches. Uh, that is correct. I, okay. I think the macro kind of idea is this is going to be a team that has been around and that Burhalter knows and trusts. Um, I don't think we're going to really see new faces in this group. I think it's going to be experienced. I think he's going to rely on that. Um, and I understand the inclination there, um, if that is indeed what happens, right? There are three pretty important games. I don't know if you heard, but um, World Cup's on the line. So you want to go down on with the guys that you believe in, and I don't think we're going to see too much experimentation. Right, so that's another good transition. And I think one of my big uh, first takeaways, and probably because it was in positional order, was that you guys believe that John Brooks is coming back. Is that, I guess, yeah. something you're hearing or just more intuition? No, it's not really anything we're hearing. Um, it's just kind of like... I mean, for me, it's kind of simple. Obviously, there has been some sort of, you know, I don't know. I shouldn't say obviously there's been. (laughs) He has not been a part of the team since September. He was called in October. He pulled out because of injury and then, like, basically immediately started playing again in the Bundesliga after the international window. I don't know if that caused some tension. You know, we've all seen the Twitter videos, the Zapruder Zapruder film uh, of U.S. soccer in in 2021, I guess, of him rolling his eyes or not rolling his eyes during the Canada game when Berhalter was giving instructions and what have you. Um, so, yeah, there's been – he's been gone for a while. But the fact remains he is the most – he probably has the best blend of experience, um, talent, um, and ability of any center back in the pool. You know, no one, yeah. no one else has the resume that he has and has defended the strikers that he has for a long, long period of time. Um, does that translate to every single environment on the road in CONCACAF? Like, no. I think we've seen that before. But is there value in what he can do and what his experience is when you're going up against the top striker in Qatar, potentially? Yeah, I think so. And I think if you have any real idea or inclination of bringing him to the world cup should you qualify then at some point you need to reintegrate him into the group and i think that point is now like this is the best time to do it you'll have nations like presumably in june unless you're in the the intercontinental playoff um so you could do it then but that's a little bit of a different situation as well um and i don't know considering the other options available i think now is the time um for me it was 
you know, Zimmerman, Robinson, and Long are pretty locked in in my in my mind. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with and you. And then that. so I'm who's fourth? And you can look at Mark McKenzie, but he hasn't played when he. I mean, he's been called in every camp, but he's only played twice. Um, mm. He is not doing so hot for Gank right now. He got yanked at halftime of the of his last match that he played. And Gank has played three matches since he hasn't even dressed for two of them. The one that he did dress for, he did not play in. Um, yeah, so that's not, you know, amazing. Um, Eric Palmer Brown is making a push, <laughs> right? Um, Cameron Carter Vickers is, you know, with Celtic. Um, right. But going back to what I said earlier about leaning on experience and leaning on guys that you know and that you've brought in before, is this the time you want to bring in a guy for the first time um, to a camp with Burhalter? I don't, I can't remember if either of those two have been in before qualifying, right. but they haven't been in, in qualifying. They haven't been in in a while. Um, I don't think now is the time for that. So that leaves you with Brooks and with Tim Ring, really, as the other two options. Um, and it was tough for me between those two. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I leaned Brooks because of what I said about, all right, mm-hmm. you're going to bring a guy to the World Cup. You know, ideally, it's a healthy and thriving John Brooks over Tim Ring, right? So that's why I leaned that Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, um, and I'll definitely firmly agree with Long, Robinson, and Zimmerman are probably locks, um, and even just extrapolating away from whoever either the fourth or if they bring a fifth center back, however the machinations yeah. are for the roster. Um, just leaving that aside, I I think that I would split the or whatever the minutes are. I'm trying to add up 180 times three, whatever it is, whatever that is. I think that. I think all 540 minutes should go to Long, Robinson, and Zimmerman. If I'm Greg Berhalter in this staff, hmm. just like you said, you lean on the guys you know. You, you, you you're so down it, to the last would three you games. Call Honestly, I don't think so. Just, just I think that it's. I don't know. I think that they drew a line in the sand or, or whatever you want to call it. He fell out of favor. They keep calling it. Um, they keep calling it just tactical or rather just yeah. performance form. But like, who knows if that's the real I mean, story? They, they can't. Been really if, good they at can't keeping things. In they house. can't call I, McKenzie and say form. No, if they, you know. No. So, so what, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to say is, I think that in off the radar, well, I guess it's on the radar because you just said him. I think Eric Palmer Brown is a pretty decent shout off the radar here because of the way he's been playing in France. And I know that he has been on the national team radar, and like you said, I, I guess I'd be maybe surprised if he was brought in this this time. But I think on the other hand, maybe not. Like just just because of again his form and the fluidity of that fourth or fifth center back, you want to call it. But again, I think that we're making a lot about say the 24th or 25th person on this roster. Like I, I really think that Robinson Zimmerman and long should, should really be getting all. The I think if you call Brooks, you need to play him. Um, that, I think that's the thing. Yeah. Too. I mean, if you call Eric Palmer Brown, sure. And play, play the other three I'm with you on that. But <laughs> if you call Brooks, I think it's with the idea of probably starting him against Panama, I would say. Um, yeah, you know, against a team that's probably going to def- sit and defend, um, and and you can really utilize his ability on the ball to to theoretically break them down. That was the theory against Canada at home as mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't really work so well for John Brooks in that no. game. <laughs> um, so I think the the biggest question from this outside, I guess, of Weston McKinney, but just the narrative around the center forward has been, yeah, man. I mean, bleak, I, I, huh? I, was, I was writing. I was writing this uh, ahead of the window as well, and I, I was typing out, like, this has been a narrative the whole World Cup qualifying race. So I was like, wait a minute. This has been a narrative since Josie Altidore was the unquestioned starter at this position, like, last World Cup yeah. cycle, I think. Like, I, yeah. I got on, like, we thought Josh Sargent was going to be the guy, and, like, probably unfairly when he was 18 or 19. And, like, it's just been a revolving door. Um, and you, like, you alluded to earlier that 
one of your well thought out, you know, educated uh, projection for this roster is already wrong. Jay, you had Jordan Peefolk, <laughs> Ricardo Pepe, and Josh Sargent, and Norwich went ahead of Greg Berhalter and yeah. scooped him on Sports Center by saying Josh Sargent was named as an alternate. So um... Sports Center's ra- ratings are already tanking. <laughs> So, I guess so. what do you what do you think? I I, I kind of thought that uh, that Sargent was going to get the call again too, just because yeah. Pepe hasn't scored in sixteen games, uh, dating back to October for any of the three the two clubs of Dallas, Augsburg, or the national team. Yeah, Jesus Ferreira hasn't scored since October. I think he's played a few less games than Pepe, but that's still concerning. Jossi Zardes hasn't started any of these games mm-hmm. uh, of the MLS season. Daryl DK is injured, and while Jordan Peefolk is the only one that's in form, he hasn't been called since September of last year. And yeah. you know there are, I guess are fair criticisms about like. What would you know? Would Ricardo Pepe be scoring for young boys in Switzerland right now? Ferreira's artist, Sargent, all of them. So I don't know. I, I was I was surprised by that. Probably not to the rate that Jordan Peefock is, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, no, yeah. I, I I hope and think he should be called too. I just, but I think that's the counter argument. I think it would be um, almost impossible to justify not calling him up. Yeah, like he's. I think he's got six goals in his last seven games. I think he's got ten goals in his last eleven games. Um, one of yeah, those he bagged and, and, four, so you know. But that, but that but, also wasn't against like the last uh, team in the league. I think that was against FC Lugano, Joe right. Suedo, yeah. Faro. Yeah. Like they're not the same level as young boys, but he also wasn't beating up on like a team that's going down. To yeah, and, and he leads the league in scoring. Um, he scored in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. We remember the performance against Manchester United in the Champions League group stage. Um, he's done it pretty consistently all season. And when you are in a situation that the USMNT is at the striker position, you know, like how can you not call the only right. one that's scoring? Like you kind of have to, right? I know he's not the ideal fit for what Burhalter is looking to do, I think, with his uh, his game model, so to speak, um, to use mm-hmm. that fun buzzword or buzz phrase, I guess. Um, verticality, if you're going to yeah, use buzzword. Yeah, uh, I love verticality. Um, <laughs> genuinely love it. Um, so, you know, he's not as clean in possession as some of the other guys. Maybe he's not, you know, as familiar with Berhalter's system. Maybe he doesn't press as much as Giazzi's artists, whatever. Um, but the most important attribute for any attacking player is can you score goals? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he can right now. And no one else in the pool is proving that they can at this moment in time. So I think you have to call him um, Sergeant. You know, it was a debate with Paul and I between Sergeant and Jesus Ferreira. Um, we obviously picked Sergeant. We were obviously wrong. I think Jesus Ferreira <laughs> will get that nod um, in his stead. Um, and you know, Berhalter likes Jesus Ferreira. He he offers yeah. kind of a different tactical option, right? He's better in possession than the other guys that we're talking about. He can combine a little bit better. Um, he did have some good moments in his start against El Salvador yeah. last window. But he also had some moments where he got himself into really, really good positions and and failed to finish. And that's the thing with him, right? He's not mm-hmm. like your traditional striker. He hasn't really played there much in his entire career, right? We saw him play underneath Pepe last right. season to great effect with Dallas. And, I mean, I feel like that's where he's best. Um, but that position doesn't Completely really exist. Agree with Berhalter's USMNT. So, yeah, you know, he can he can move defenders around, he can pull them up, he can pull center backs up into the into the kind of more in the middle third and you can have wingers run off of him and do all of those nice things that, you know, quote unquote false nines like to do. But you need somebody to score and uh, I don't have confidence in his ability to do that if he gets a chance like against Mexico. Yeah, I'm 
Yeah, and I, I don't think that's unfair either. Um, I, with, with all of that that you're saying, like, I like him on the roster if there's going to be a scenario in which, like, I, I really don't love him as the, the focal point at center forward in a 4-3-3. Obviously, the, the coaching staff feels differently. They started started him there. Yeah, he's the playing there for Dallas, too. He's, right? And he's so. getting more, yeah, and, and, and pretty much a facsimile of uh, the, the national team, which is, again, use, very useful for him mm-hmm. and Paul Ariola. But I, I still would want him on this roster if, you know, the, national, the, the United States are chasing a game and there's an opportunity to kind of put him in that second striker role that I think that one, he's the best, he's the best version of himself in that role. And two, I don't see other players who can really do that. Like Christian uh, Pulisic has played inside, G- like Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna? Like, Reyna? But the, the second forward rather than like a 10, like, like a four four one one kind of thing or, or whatever you want to call Those it. Those spots aren't I, that different. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But like, I think that I, that was a larger point to say is, I don't think that's even on the cards because I think uh, my mind might not be remembering every single instance and sub, but even when they've been chasing the games, I believe that Pulisic got pushed in the middle. Aronson was brought off when they kind of uh, chased in the game against Canada and made it a four-two-three-one-ish. Yeah. Uh, so I don't even think that Ferreira was being used in that scenario. So I don't know how much of like a real pitch that is for the, the coaching staff. So maybe that's just me yeah, hoping I don't know. for something that He's is real. Been... He was very, very matchup dependent with his starting striker selections last one yes. for Halter was. Like, everything was just like, okay. You know, he gave a quote about it on the podcast he does with Bobby Warshaw a few weeks ago. Excuse me. Um, but he Emotional. gave this quote where he was basically like, yeah, you know, El Salvador, we expected them to sit deep. We knew we were going to break, need to break them down, need somebody that can combine. So we thought that was a good matchup for Jesus. Canada, we wanted mm-hmm. to be more physical. Um, so, you know, that worked for Giassi. And then Honduras, we were thinking there were going to be a lot of crosses um, available to us. And so we thought that was the, the, the plan for Pepe, who is probably the best natural finisher right. in the box of the bunch. Although, you know, again, we haven't seen that <laughs> going on six months now. Um, so uh, when you don't have anyone in form, I think that's sort of what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious to see like how much faith he puts in PFOC if he does indeed call him. Um, because he is in form. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be starting, but he's certainly in form. So we'll see. Yeah, I do hope that he gets real minutes. And, and I think to the coaching staff's credit is that particularly, like, they weren't afraid to put in Ricardo Pepe when they called him in that initial window. They kept saying, like, he's here for a reason. We wouldn't have selected him if we didn't think he could change a game. We're waiting for the right moment. And then that happened against, he started against Honduras. So I don't think that if Pifo was selected that he wouldn't play. I, I, like like we were talking about kind of the fifth center back, fourth center back that probably won't get off the bench or maybe the seventh midfielder. Yeah. Like I, I do think that all three strikers are going to get, I don't yeah. know if you would call it significant minutes, but it wouldn't be. No, just, yeah, just meaningful, called up meaningful train. time. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. It's funny how these debates go about <laughs> national team roster selections. Like I remember looking at it um, last summer when the Euros were happening and the squads were being named. And everyone um, on the UK side uh, of my company, of the company I work for now, not company, the athletic, <laughs> was like losing their mind about like who was going to be the 26th man on England. Yeah, the, the, the Trent Alexander Arnold stuff. <laughs> yeah, James Ward Prowse, Trent Alexander Arnold. Like everyone's just like having a conniption. And I'm, I'm sort of sitting back and, and like, not the writers, but like fans were. And I'm yeah. like, this person isn't even going to play. Like, like, relax. And I was like, oh, well, you take that same energy in the USMNT coverage. Anyway, here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Um, All right, so so a more meaningful question then. 
with Weston McKinney out injured. Uh, very unfortunate timing, both for the United States, but also just for him personally. He's been in you know extended form of his life, yeah, uh, dating yeah. back to pretty much the suspension um, and being sent home from that first window. I think he's been phenomenal since then. I haven't watched Feels so long ago. Yeah, right. I haven't watched you know all of his or I haven't watched much of his games at Juventus, but everything that I've read and everything I've heard is that he's kept that form pretty stellar for them, and then he's been awesome with the national team. So I guess just in general, and and you know maybe this is a weighted question in depending on what you're how you would strategize these three games, but I guess mm-hmm. just in a general sense, like if the best eleven is out there, who would you replace McKenny with? Oh man, uh, I mean if you're talking best eleven, I think probably Luca De La Torre. Um, you don't think but, that there's too much overlap between him and Yunus Musa? No, um, I don't. Um, but I don't think Luca De La Torre is going to start in Mexico. No, I think I think that's going to be Colin Acosta, and I think De La Torre will start against Panama because you know it's getting back to the matchup question, right. right? That we were talking about earlier. Like Mexico, that game traditionally U.S. Mexico games are wide open. There's not a lot of soccer. It's up and down. It's physical. It's intense. Mm-hmm. It's emotional, right? And like. The game is moving super fast, super direct. Um, and De La Torre can, I'm not saying he can't play in a game like that, um, but I think Acosta is probably a little bit better suited to play in a game like that, um, at least at this point in time, uh, yeah. particularly on the road in, in the Azteca. He's, he, he did that in 2017. <laughs> you know, He played in that qualifier that the U.S. drew down in Mexico City, and he played very well, as a matter of fact. Um, so I think it'll be him in that first game, but, you know, against Panama, when you're going to have more of the ball and it's going to be a little bit more controlled and you're going to need to break down a team that might be sitting back pretty deep, um, then I think De La Torre is the guy. So, um, so yeah. And then we'll see, we'll see what the situation calls for in Costa Rica. Um, but yeah, I would expect those two to each start one of the first two games. I agree. Um, and one more thing to add to that from my end. I know that this is a very old school or 1980s sports radio argument, but like there's just Kalen Acosta's mentality um, for what he's proven, I guess, in, in these like high wire games and even against Mexico specifically, like Nations League. Like, I mean, I think that he's earned that this start at the Azteca, regardless no, of and, what the team is around think, him. I think that's, I mean, you say you sort of disparage your own point by saying it's an 80s sports radio take. I think it's real, man. Like, you saw it in Canada, right? Like, mentally, Canada had an edge in that mm-hmm. game. And there's, like, zero doubt about it. Like, they yeah. came out, and they were like, oh, uh, we're going to be your dad in this game, <laughs> right? And, like, they were more physical. They were flying into challenges. Uh, and not so much even what was happening in the run of play, but what was happening after, right? Like, mm-hmm. Canada was mm-hmm. mixing it up. Like Richie Larea, Jonathan Osorio, they were getting in people's faces, right? They were trying to start fights, right? U.S. didn't have anybody on the field that was doing that. And I think that affected kind of a little bit of the overall tenor of the game. You saw it change a little bit after Acosta and Paul Ariola and Reggie Cannon came on in that match. Yeah, I'm going to rent. Sorry, I, I, I just, this is one of the things that I feel pretty strongly about. And like, like you said, with disparaging myself in the, this sounds like an old school 18th. And like, again, this isn't rooted in anything too it is. deep. It's or cliche, but, but no, like, no, I'm, like, I'm, true. I'm, that's a preamble for like, that is something that I'm always going to pay attention to. And that's something that I'm always going to lament. Like, I know that it's, you know, the, the, at the highest levels of professional games, you're not supposed to do any of that stuff or you're just, you know, focus on your game. Hey, don't, don't talk to other players after, like, let it go. And, you know, that there's a reason why there's significant less fights, less, you know, you know, bone crunching tackles, all that crap. But like, man, 
like like you were saying with Canada, like it was they were left a, a a few studs in a little bit late every time. It wasn't overtly dirty, but it also wasn't a hundred percent clean. And they it were was any time. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that's probably the best way to describe it. But little things like okay, um, Canada do this all the time. That's part of the reason why I think that I, I enjoy watching them. But let's say Alfonso Davies kind of gets fouled, taken out, whatever it is, and, and like yeah. you can watch Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna get fouled eight times a game. Yeah, kid, like just utilizing a yellow card or maybe getting stuck in a little yep. extra hard on the next challenge is not the worst thing in the world. It doesn't Dude, make no you one dirty. It doesn't mean you're playing into the game. No one yeah. was protecting Pulisic in that game. And that no bothers one. me so much. And going back to yeah. the Nations League final against Mexico, like how many times did Hector Herrera borderline poked Brendan Aronson in the eyeballs when he was laying on the ground? And yeah. Were like, where, where is like the hard man? Where is yeah. like, that's all part of it. Again, that, that's not more important than quality and tactical ability and everything else, but it's, it plays a part. Yeah, it's all part of the, uh, you know, it's it's an ingredient in the stew, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kellen Acosta brings that. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt that he brings that. Um, and you need that in Mexico. And, and I think he will bring it. So uh, I'm excited to kind of see how he performs in that way because uh, it's always good for, you know, some entertainment or a laugh or, or something <laughs> like that. So, um, I hope that – was it Doug McIntyre that wrote the story about his trash talking or was that uh, Jordan Strauss? I can't remember, well, but so I I talked to him about it one time. Did you too? Um, I didn't write anything off of it, but I did ask him about the videos that that um, Waki makes yeah. on Twitter, um, and he he said he likes them. Yeah, so he thinks that, he that. thinks they're funny. <laughs> I was I was talking more of the how he like told I, I, get, I believe it was Doug, but it might have been it might have been Brian, but the, he told them exactly his his uh shit talking and was like yeah like you're a traffic cone like damn like you you wear the number 10 shirt you should just take that off man like you're you're embarrassing to your country <laughs> like what i hope is that there's an article written in two months about um calvin acosta saying something in hey. while the united states well, picked up a memorable point at the Aztec i'm Aztec. talking to him in an hour and a half so i'll ask him if he's got any zingers lined up <laughs> well that's good I'm, look, I'm looking forward to reading whatever comes out of that um any other national team roster stuff before we move on Oh, George Mihailovic, um, would you call him in if, if you were the coaching staff? I know that we, we had the whole spiel about, yeah, I don't know. If he, I would. Yeah, I would. even though he hasn't been involved. Well, he was here in January. He was there in January. From what I understand, he was very, very close yes. to being on the roster. Um, I can't even remember. It was Busio. Busio that had to pull out. Yep. Um, but I, I, what I was told is like pretty 50-50 between him and De La Torre um, for mm-hmm. that last spot after Busio had to, had to drop out. Um, I think I would call him in. Uh, I do not think he will get called in. Do you think the coaching staff see him as a left wing still, like uh, Jason Christ did, or is he finally going to no. be able to play central midfield? Good. I, I think they see him centrally. I can't. Did That's he good. play? He didn't play yes. in December, did he? Uh, December, no, because he was at uh, in training with Bologna. Well, he wasn't there yet. I thought. I thought he went in January for that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He but I think they. Camps. I think they see him as a as a central player or I would hope Good. so anyway like it's yeah. sort of like the classic of what he's asking for the number eights you know that's what he's doing with, with Montreal yeah so. and he I don't think that he kind of fits the, the winger stuff and like I think that he can do it but no. like you said with the roles like I think he's more defined for an eight and that's why I was so surprised and disappointed during uh Olympic qualifying in 2020 I guess that was whenever it was that he was yeah, playing well, left wing I thought that was just a waste there was a lot there was a lot to be disappointed <laughs> Um, so moving on to MLS stuff, I guess a seamless transition, uh, talking about some of the, the bigger <laughs> news coming around. We'll start with Jossie's artist. Uh, I know we didn't talk a ton about him when it came to the, the forward stuff, but well, uh, as I reported reason, this, right? yeah, as I reported, uh, this week, Jossie 
the common knowledge around the league and, and sources that, you know, Jossie's artist is very available for trade from the Columbus crew. And I had a few people go as far as to say he's being shopped and expect a trade to happen at some point between now and the summer. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? What, what have you yeah. heard from, from talking to people? And, and I guess even where do you even think that he could land? Well, initial thoughts were, damn it, I should have reported this. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you ever do this. Probably not. Yes. But but I do things where it's like I hear something and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. And then I just like forget to follow up on it. That was, um, and that was the that Jossie was, stuff for me. I, I yeah. was hearing it weeks ago and then I was like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. He didn't start again? Like, what yeah. he, hey, like yeah. suck myself in the forehead. And, like, so do yeah, you're, like you're, ki- you're killing it on a breaking news because you <laughs> remembered to do that and I did that. <laughs> um, but, so that was my first thought. Um, my second thought, like some of those conversations that I did have about him, is the crew would want a lot for him. They're not getting so. a lot. I'm just going to say it right now. Yeah, his contract situation obviously plays a role there, right? But I don't think they're like in a rush to move him. You know, no. um, and, and and understandably, like Miguel Berry could go in. He could, his form could dip. Giassi's yeah. form could increase, and all of a sudden he's the starting striker again. You know, like that's the thing with this. I agree. One. It's like this one feels very fluid. You, you do your due diligence, you have conversations, but unless you get like a big time offer, you don't really feel any urgency or need to move him from the club perspective. Mm-hmm. For Giassi's perspective, he's probably like, damn, if I'm not playing, I need to go, I need to get out of here, yeah. right? And so I get the urgency there because he's trying to make this World Cup team. And if he's going to be on the squad, he needs to be playing, like, you Full know, stop. straight up. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's going to be some pressure from that side, I'm sure. Um, that being said, he's not really the type of guy that, like, is a malcontent or, like, no. I need to be out of here, right? So I think he'll be more patient than most. Um, and we'll see, right? He has a goal off the bench, right? I think Miguel Berry only has one goal in three starts, and Giassi mm-hmm. has one goal in three appearances off the bench, right? So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Giassi started this weekend, like, and, yeah. and maybe he earns that spot back. Um, so we'll see. Um, it's intriguing. I mean – who do you think would be a good fit? Like in terms of who needs a nine, who like what, what he is, his age, his roster status, like where do you think would make sense for him? I have some ideas, but I'm curious. What you think. <laughs> uh, before that, I'm just a couple from uh, what you said. He's not, he is not pushing for it right now. It's, it's like you said, he's, you know, well, well respected. It's high character. He's, it's not like he's storming into the front office and demanding a trade yeah. or anything like that. But you know, like you said, it would be understandable really, if he was. Yeah, as, as time as time goes on, he's not doing that yeah. every three games. But I, I think with with the timing is, while you're right that the crew aren't necessarily in a rush. Like I do know that teams around the league thought, like at least considered him in their plans to acquire, like in the winter. So this isn't necessarily a new development. Which no, I, I don't was, think it was is noteworthy. A new yeah, yeah, no, no. that's not what I was trying to say. No, but I'm... like, it's you know, it's not. It's one where it would take a, a good offer to get him from the crew because they don't need to do it. Right, right. And with him in the final year of his contract, it's um, something that he'll have a very large say in if slash where it would happen. Because if a team is giving up, even not even necessarily significant in terms of you know Lewis Morgan money or whatever it is, you assume that you trade for Jossie Zardes with the knowledge that you're going to be able to sign him to a contract extension. So Jossie will have a big say in something he's earned as a veteran um, respected player in this league. Um, as far as landing spots, it's tough right now, man. Like there, there aren't a lot of obvious ones. Colorado is probably the most obvious in terms mm-hmm. of both availability and need, but it's, he's not a perfect fit to, for Robin Frazier's uh, tactical style. Like I'd still do it if I was Colorado, don't get me wrong, but I could see maybe 
if they're there, I don't know where they're at in discussions or targets for players abroad or even other players within the league. But, you know, somebody like Ola Kamara has been available all offseason and nobody's made a trade. And Ola Kamara has been available, I think, for like 18 months. Yeah. Like, like yeah. legitimately. They were trying to move him before last season, too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I think that's a larger point to say is like, there's, I think Jossie's a better version of that, but in similar terms of age, profile, and salary, and yeah. if you see that Ola hasn't been moved yet, or there hasn't been any serious traction on him, from what I understand, at least, that you yeah. know the market for Jossie might not be as big as we think until maybe an injury happens, or if somebody's like well out of form. I think that Austin would have made a lot of sense, but they signed Musa Jite and Maxi Rudy, and I'm not sure how they'd be able to commit to Jossie's uh, salary, and even, again, fit him on the team when you already you know, use the U22 initial slot on GTA. Um, I, I like, I'm trying to talk Nashville into existence, but obviously they have CJ Sapong and Teal Bunbury that, you know, I know the coaching staff are high on. I think Zardo right. would be really cool next to Hani Mukhtar. And this is even leaving aside that Gary Smith just doesn't trust Ake Loba and won't play kind of without a Sapong, a Bunbury, a Zardis type of forward next to yeah. Hani. So I think that that's a team that would make a lot of sense. And, and I don't know, it just, I, there's nothing too obvious. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Colorado stands out. I actually like – I would like it for Austin, honestly. I don't know. Like, I don't know if he can make it work and, and you want to give GJ some run. But, like, they're playing well. Um, but he would be a definite upgrade for them, like, in my yeah. opinion. And, again, like, some Josh of the things Wolf you're asking – Josh Wolf connection, too? Yeah, some of the things you're asking him to do, maybe he's not great at. Um, but, like, and Arudi is off to a good start. But I think we know what Max Arudi is in this league. He's very, very, very streaky. <laughs> right? he's, been, he's been paid upwards of, like – Oh over God. the max charge for what the last four or five years i don't know what his salary number is on this a year, new but one I, now but yeah. i can't imagine it's it's you know a discount so how do you fit i would imagine it's a pretty forward? significant discount he was making like oh, 1.2 million last year i would be surprised if he's even half of that well e but even half of that is a senior uh, uh, max budget charge so i don't know like so what I'm, yeah like, I'm, I'm five, not sure he's probably like 500 600 is. something like that which oh, is sort of a going rate for like number two strikers for a lot of teams um, continue i cut you off yeah um so yeah i think those would make sense um i mean what else cincinnati <laughs> i don't think i don't think they would trade him there um, if you're like how would that help you like as we're talking about that that with jossi should hold like a big say how would that help him well i mean you got lucho acosta feeding you service and you're playing every game um, but Brandon Vasquez is off to a good start. Yeah. Um, and considering what you'd have to get up, give up to get him, I don't know if you'd want to do that. They also have this guy Brenner, who they paid a, a little bit of money for, <laughs> that they kind of want to get up and running too. So, yeah, I, I mean Colorado sticks to me is, is the main one, but we'll see. They're, they're they're talking about Diego Rubio in a nice positive way right now. So, um, yeah. You know, uh, they might want to keep their powder dry. <laughs> Or something else. So I don't know. I, like, if you had to guess, do you think he'll get moved? Um, it's like you said, it's so fluid. It's tough. I mean, it's easy to say yes right now, just because he hasn't started the first three games. And what we've also like what we've been saying that it makes if this continues, then then absolutely. But you know, Miguel Berry is. I think he's he's talented and he's better than I already thought that he was going to be. But I think that's asking a lot. I, I don't think that they can trade Jazzy regardless of what happens without either him demanding it or N slash or they have another forward ready to be signed because then you have Miguel Berry and Eric Hurtado as your only two natural center forward options for Columbus. And yeah. like, I don't think that's enough cover for no, I think or enough quality. I think you would have to go out and, and maybe use a DP spot 
<laughs> and I, I, and and maybe they have the budget to make a big swing in the summer. Right? I've heard I've heard that that's on that's yeah. something that they're looking at. So it, you know, then that would increase the urgency to get something done. If you if the the Haslam's are saying, yeah, you have ten million to sign a strike, then okay, right, go ahead and trade him. Um, but unless that is happening, I don't think he gets traded. That's my opinion. Interesting. All right. Well, I think I think that. he'll find his form. I think he'll get in the lineup. I think he'll start scoring goals, and he'll be like, "Yeah, that was that was a weird time." Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's this is like again another random thing for me. Is like I I like defined systems, and and there are a bunch of advantages to them. But just the idea that this happened, I guess, when they signed Bradley Wright Phillips. I know he wasn't at at the you know the best stage of his career last year before he retired, but like. Even Caleb Porter was saying when I asked him about BWP, he was coming off a season where he had, I'm pretty sure, goal involvement every 90 minutes at LAFC. So he yeah. still looked like at least a rotational or like com- competitive piece. Yeah, yeah, piece. yeah. Everyone and was so, super high on that move. Yeah, but yeah. like I even asked Porter, I was like, is there any opportunity to play him and Jossie together? And he's pretty much just like, no. <laughs> so when you have like, it, it becomes an either-or situation. And I think like if there was any way for them to play Miguel Barry and Jossie's artists together, this wouldn't be a conversation because you just find a way I mean, to get there, them both There minutes, is but, a way if you just don't want to be dogmatic to, to what you're doing. Yeah. But well, Caleb Porter's only played with one striker for how many years now? So Correct. that's what it is. Uh, some other stuff um, around MLS reported this morning. Kamar Lawrence is going to Minnesota United. That deal is being finalized from Toronto. Um, from what I've learned is not only are Toronto paying some of his contract, I, you know, heard somebody go as far as to say as you know a significant portion of his contract well, he was uh, on a decent amount of money right like 600 yes. or something like that and plus plus the i forget what his transfer fee was from onto like to toronto um i can't imagine it was less than a million or whatever so uh, that, that's i reported that once upon a time i think it was less than a million anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> google it so, <laughs> so, uh so yeah kamar to minnesota what do you think um, I mean, they obviously have, they're going through issues with the fullback position right now yes. with availability. So it makes sense in that way. Um, I don't think you can count on anything from him. If, if he is engaged and healthy and he wants to be good, he can be good. Um, right. but those are big ifs as we saw last year. Um, so, you know, we'll see. He, he wasn't always like, he was very good when he was on the field with the Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he wasn't always available. Um, right. I don't think he made more than 26 starts in his Red Bull Crystal yeah. off the top of my head. But. So, you know, as a guy, like, it sounds like they're not going to be giving up much to get him. Nope. So, as a guy you take a flyer on, sure. Like, go ahead, right? But there's also a reason that Toronto hasn't even had him in camp, like, at all, <laughs> um, yeah. while having him on their team, right? They wanted no part of him after just signing him less than a year ago. Um, that's not great, right? No. And, uh, and so, yeah. Take a flyer on it if it works. It, it could be a very high upside move. Um, but if you're counting on something from him, I don't think that's something you really want to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't envision him starting a ton of games ahead of Gasper. Do you? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that it does, like you said, it depends on where his mindset is, where his mentality is, because, you know, he's, what, three years removed from, or four years, I guess, now removed from being a, a finalist for Defender of the Year, which never happens for fullbacks. He... You know, yeah. Andelect are a big team, and they were convinced by him and, and Michael Murillo, so former uh, New York Red Bull teammate. Yeah, um, and, but like, he left Anderlecht quick, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, so that's two clubs in a row that, like, we're like, okay, bye. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with <laughs> you, know? you there in that I, I wouldn't commit significant resources to him. And that's why I think, like, I like this deal 
more and more from Minnesota with that context of, you know, I guess we'll, I don't know if we even will find out officially what the official, um, you know, breakdown is between, between, you know, I uh, guess there. They ain't going to announce that. Tom, no, you got more work but, to do. Work to do. <laughs> Again, uh, but like, I think that that's, it, the, if they get them for cheap, I, I look, it, it, it's more of a low risk flyer. Nothing's ever no risk to be fair. Um, how it kind of changes things in the locker room or whatever. But now mm-hmm. you have another left back and you have like their first three games, they started center back for Kai Debasi at left back, which is, you know, good for him for being able to do a job and, and do it. But that's not a long-term thing. And they played they DJ Taylor. And Red Bull. D- yeah, yeah. Taylor. DJ Red Taylor Red was the third game. So yes. the first two were a center back and left back. And I thought I was DJ like, was. I don't think, uh, think Debasi started. I just finished no. watching that game this morning. So I was like, oh, he didn't play. What are you talking about? But you said right. two instead of three. But yeah. So. There you go. Um, I, I don't was very listen. cold in the press box. I remember seeing DJ Taylor running up and down the line. <laughs> and John Tolkien in his his hair is even more perfect. Oh course. my god! Is my large adult son. You had knew who I have John Tolkien. Yeah, when are you gonna match his haircut? He's he's showing you up, man. I think that I've I think I've tweeted this out maybe after a couple beverages that if he or Brian White gets a U.S. national team debut, I will I will do a mullet. So somebody needs to keep me on that, or I'll forget. <laughs> Um, I feel like I feel like you don't need much convincing in that category. <laughs> um, moving on, uh, a player with a very fantastic name, Tiaguino, which he is not being referred to yet in terms of his professional career. I yeah, think this is a, this I, I is tried a new, to look him. You know, do you know how long said... it took me to find him when I was like trying to double check stats and stuff? And I was yeah. like, does this guy even exist? Yeah. Anyway, I was like he's not on transfer market under this name. <laughs> I was like, he's a 31 year old left back. I don't think that yeah. he's U 22 initiative eligible. Uh, anyway, Houston Dynamo uh, agreed a deal to sign uh, Flamingo winger Tiaguinho, uh, Brazilian, just turned 21 this week. U 22 initiative. It's a loan with purchase option. Um, I don't, I can't confirm the the reports, but. There are reports that say that the purchase option is $1.5 million. I, I saw um, something that it was a free loan, too. So is that incorrect since he's U22? I believe that's correct. I believe that's correct. So is it a free loan or, or sorry? I believe so, yeah. Okay. How is he U22, though, if it's no acquisition cost? I guess – I don't know. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I guess what? you can count him. You know, it just seems like kind of a waste, right? Um, yeah, but I'm, uh, there's also <laughs> I, the the fine print, and this can't be interesting to anybody. But the fine print is that if you have somebody on a U22 initiative, like right now, Mateo Bahamic counts on the U22 initiative for Houston, even though he's on loan, because right. the you you have to have somebody on that slot for two years minimum before you can move them off. Ah, yeah, unless they're sold, that. and he's That's on right. loan, so he's counting one of the spots. So maybe part of this is, and from talking to people at Houston, just all offseason, they, they've been trying to say, look, like we don't want to do too much too fast we don't want to overcommit all of our resources yeah. and then kind of leave us yeah. in a bad spot and they were specifically talking about the 22 initiative that they're probably they're at least holding one of these spots open until the summer if not maybe next offseason so maybe part of this is okay uh, bahamish will come off this spot in the offseason maybe we can put tiaguino on it now and then if we keep him we can move him again he'll, off of the end of the year whatever yeah, yeah 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 none of this is interesting i think the more interesting part is what you brought up uh, with, uh, earlier in talking um, maybe uh, the, the fellow sickos uh, that are listening to deep, deep U twenty two edition roster rules for the Houston Dynamo. But uh, one of the things I have a whole you... podcast that's dedicated to this. So this is a good you point. Know, <laughs> this, this stop is disparaging God. yourself, Tom. <laughs> I'm disparaging stop you. Stop it. You're the one. You're the one who brought up. This. I can't stop be disparaged. <laughs> you might try, but I won't take it that way. Do you so. still have the memo Ochoa hair? I heard rumors that you got a haircut. Uh, no, I, was I, I got a haircut. Upset. I got a haircut. Not a haircut. Hair gone. Much. Yeah, um, I pulled the trigger. I think three weeks ago. So, Ugh, hurts, yeah. hurts me. Anyway, so. Um, so 
this is, a, I guess, a larger commentary on how teams are using the U22 initiative, right? This is, a, this is a player who didn't have any appearances with Flamingo, and I believe his only senior appearances were in on loan in, like, the third tier in Brazil, maybe? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, right? Because this is sort of – this is an extreme case, and if it's a free loan, then they're not sinking anything into it. So I'll, I'll say that off the top. But um, – like more broadly speaking about this initiative, you've seen a lot of players that have been signed to seven figure transfer fees mm-hmm. um, that have 15, 20 games of, of pro experience. Right. And that's a risky thing to do. Like you don't know how a guy's going to turn out. Like you have no idea. Um, and you don't have a lot of data on him. A lot of times these guys have been signed without seeing them in person. Right. Because of the pandemic has really limited what right. the teams can do in terms of scouting. So you're throwing seven figures at a guy who you basically are just like, hey, this could pan out. Like you're taking a flyer. <laughs> Football you know manager. What I'm saying? And this is the way the league has strategized. I was talking to one GM about this a few weeks ago before we put out our GM survey. Mm. And he was basically saying like, this is teams absolutely wasting money, like wasting millions of dollars. It's just like not a sustainable or reliable or organized way to conduct business, right? Mm. And the bet on like a league level is that enough of them will hit and that enough of them will then be sold for a profit that you'll inject more overall dollars into the ecosystem that then can be put back into the product and, you know, improve it. Um, And I think it's a cool bet to make. I'm not against this idea. But I don't know if enough has been made about how hard this is going to be to pull off. And the hit rate, I think, is probably going to be pretty low on these guys. Um, yeah. You know, like, they're talked about like they're DPs. But these aren't DP impact players for the most part. Right. Certainly not, um, certainly not like, on a, on a large scale level. A lot of them are very talented. Um, but, again, when you're signing a 20-year-old, or a 19-year-old, and they're moving to a new country for the first time, and they're going away from their entire support system, a lot of things have to go right, and a lot of things can go wrong on their journey, right? And can sort of <laughs> sideline them. Um, and when you're buying, when, and especially when they're not a DP player, right? You right. can buy a Talos Magno for right. a million or whatever and pay him a million and a half a year. That's a different level of prospect than one you're buying for four million and paying six hundred thousand, mm. right? Like the talent alone can carry Dallas Magno a long way. Like, can the talent alone carry a U twenty two guy a long way? Well, maybe, but probably not quite as far. And so it's risky. It's a it's a lot of money, um, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but I think it's going to be hard for teams to really succeed at this on a consistent basis. Yeah, I, I think that all of that's fair, and I agree that. I think you're right. I don't, I don't think enough of us have made, and I guess that'd be your, your and I's fault given our jobs and our roles, that I don't think enough has been made that this isn't easy and maybe we need to look at it as less of a expected hit rate. Like there have been um, a number of, of ones that didn't work out. Like Mateo Bahamich, we were just talking about Al Rodrigo. Yeah, and uh, it's Rod- Rodrigo. early. I wouldn't yeah. write out any U22 signing yeah. because at well, most they've been in the league for a year, well, right? Um, Rodrigo so. Pinheiro didn't even make the bench. Uh, after June, I believe, last year for Nashville, and he's in, in Chile now. And there's, so there's other Thomas Chacon. I know he was signed as a young DP and moved to U22. There's, you know, that, I don't think that that's going to be abnormal. I think that there's going to be best practices in the sense that you're, you have to balance, okay, we're going to reward a 
either our own academy guy or maybe we're going to trade for somebody that, you know, another club's homegrown product that isn't necessarily being um, particularly valued or, and, and hey, we see something more like the Colorado Rapids have done with a lot of things. But um, it, with that, I think, I do think it's good, really good. And I know that you weren't saying that it wasn't a good thing, but like, I look at it in the sense that I don't think Sian, uh, Santi Sosa for Atlanta could have signed because he would have had to be a DP. Dejan Jovalich for the Galaxy would have had yeah, to be yeah, a DP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't like, think this it's a is bad all... thing. Like, from, from a league perspective, I think you're going to have enough hits where, where it makes yes. sense. But on an individual club level, you're, you're sort of playing with fire. And if you go 0 for 3 on these and you waste 5, 6, 7, 8 million dollars of your <laughs> owner's money, that's not going to reflect well on a GM. So I'm, I'm right. just kind of wondering how aggressive some teams are going to be in this space and how conservative. And is there going to be a shift maybe towards, okay, we'll actually go with three senior DPs. We're going to only <laughs> have the one U22 spot. I don't know. Let's see. Good point. I don't know. I like, um, I like how, the way the Galaxy are doing it um, in that they gave uh, Efra Alvarez and Julian Araujo U22 initiative deals and then spent $4 million on Daniel Ritz, who I was super excited about when they signed him. It has not worked out yet. And like you said, there's obviously plenty of time, but I, I think that that's kind of the right process. Maybe not results so far, but I've been like Atlanta with Santiago Sosa and, and frankly, uh, Ibarra. I think those are good players. Like, I don't know. I think that those are kind of the, the best practices so far, just in terms of well, process, they have one Eric Lopez. Matt, yeah. That's why I said process. It's like yeah. more so LA than, than I guess others. I was trying to yeah, the top of my head. So. Some teams, you Portland. know, I, I do think that the U22 is good for bumping up those academy guys who need yep. that second contract, right? And keeping them around for a little longer uh, before they maybe get transferred abroad. So, yeah, makes sense yeah. I, I don't think that's super useful for the league, too, in terms of growth. So that, you know, yeah, sometimes sometimes it'll be Ricardo Pepe going at 18 years old, and other times it'll be Jesus Ferrer staying, Kate Cowell maybe staying, depends on, you know, and particularly with how early – some of these first homegrown contracts are being signed. Like how many times did somebody between the ages of 14 and 16 sign a homegrown deal this off season? Like they're going to be due for a second contract before they have a thousand minutes in MLS. Like not like, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's going to be really useful as, as time goes on. Um, Kept you long enough. Probably just do one more here. Um, We'll, we'll leave CCL for allocation disorder for extra time and all the other guys. But I want to talk a little (laughs) bit about St. Louis city. Um, And I don't know if any to shout city because in they, they have to count. No, you have to. Contractually yeah, obligated. Uh, don't I don't love that decision. I think that that's silly. I want somebody to start like, why didn't they do like capital C lowercase i capital T lowercase y? Like why why stop it just that? Why just yeah, make it make it's it a good question? Anyway, why not just put SpongeBob on their jerseys? Like, <laughs> just go for it. Well, Roman Berkey officially signed by St. Louis. Yeah, State, which I think it's super interesting. Um, yeah, I think my before even taking this seriously. I don't know what the plan is, but all these deals for players that they've signed are, are supposed to be coming in the summer, as far as I know. Are they building the greatest MLS, ne- MLS Next Pro team of all time that we're going to talk about for centuries in this first year with, you know, Berkey, um, you know, multiple people with Bundesliga experience and, and a Bosnian international? I would say no. <laughs> um, first Just of trying, all, to, trying to chase a title real quick. I first think of that all, MLS... Can't get a trophy before. MLS Next Pro, those squads are going to be loaded. Hey, no, um, I would imagine <laughs> that most of these guys go on loan for the second half of 2022. We saw Atlanta do that with a few guys. I think uh, Tito Vialba was on loan to Cholos, I think, yeah. before their inaugural season. So I think we'll we'll see that. Um, Still instead. rooting for it though. You can't you can't stop me from doing that. I mean, hey, you can root for whatever you want, and maybe we'll <laughs> see some of them in MLS next, but. 
yeah, that would be strange to see Roman Berkey. <laughs> say the least. So what do you make of their roster build so far? They have, you know, an international TAM goalie. They have a DP that is yeah. currently a DP from the Bundesliga, another Bundesliga player, and then a Bozzi international left back. Yeah, I like the signing of Berkey. Um, Even though know. it's a TAM goalie, and that's not something that usually happens. Yeah. No, that's fine. I think he's of that level, certainly. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, if it was a DP goalie, then I would be raising <laughs> my eyebrow. But, like, think about Brad Guzan. He was Tam when he came to Atlanta. Good point. You know, Christian Kalina, like, I'm pretty sure he's Tam, right? Um, right. He's been Charlotte's best player, like, by a lot, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. over their first few games. Um, so, I like that one. I mean, the DP, uh, his resume is not inspiring. Um, I'll put it like that, but you know, we'll see. I haven't watched him, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah, go out there and kill it. Um, but you know, that's not super inspiring. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, it's very incomplete. I do like, of course, that St. Louis is actually doing this early. That is one thing I will say. Charlotte, I, I wrote about them last week. You were down there, you mm-hmm. wrote about them. Um, you sent out some tweets that. Um, caught caught fire out there for for sure with some 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 quotes from Zoran Corneda. Um, they did not do anything, right? Right, and and that was a big problem for them. You know, like they talked about it to me. They were like, "Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the visa process is taking a long time." So, in hindsight, we should have started earlier with some of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you should have. <laughs> um, but also, like, why were you surprised that the visa process was taking a long time? Like, that made no sense to me. Like, the visa process has been taking a long time for two mm-hmm. years since the pandemic began. Like, Zora and Corneta's own visa process probably took a long time. I, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like, why were you surprised by that? So it's good that St. Louis is getting out in front with that and trying to get their business done quickly. Um, obviously, it's still very incomplete. Um, and we'll see. Um, I do like the Berkey signing. Yeah, yeah, I think that I was... I guess a little on the fence about it just in that it seems like the the best practice for expansion teams are, you know, just go find the best backup or one of the best domestic backups in the league. It'll be cost effective. And usually those are safe bets to be at least decent starting goalies in the league. When you look at Cincy with Shemisov Titone, paid him a lot. Ken Vermeer with LAFC when they got rid of Tyler Miller. Um, yeah. Miami, all these things. Like, I think that that's probably the easiest slash, you know, low low risk is what the words i'm looking for here but sure. that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's the only way to go so but i, think I have that, faith like, that he'll be good though and yeah he's only 31 it. man like, I, like uh, yeah. I think that's more and more like and i need yeah. to you know, recalibrate like for years you would think you'd watch them in the champions league and think like oh man it was like with liverpool with with their goals like before they got allison like what would this team look like with a world-class keeper and like that doesn't yeah. mean that Berkey's not going to be, hopefully, you know, for St. Louis is going to be yeah, a top not quality keeper. In maybe not world class, but like still pretty well, good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, yeah. I looked at him at Dortmund as like, oh, they need to upgrade this. And so I think like that initial, I guess, film around him or like the last times that I've thought deeply about Roman Berkey is that. And then it's like, oh, wait, like, but in MLS, like he should, that he should be, you know, hopefully. Yeah. Again, you're paying him this one of the best well in the Bundesliga. And like, yeah, has he had problems against some top teams? Yeah. But like, over the course of the season, I think he'll be a pretty good MLS goalkeeper. I'm not too worried about that. And yeah, it, it, he's not Vermeer or Titan, right? Like, like, and that's the bar that everybody's yeah, for. yeah. So <laughs> I think he's right, closer Sam. to Brad Guzan than those guys. That's, that's for sure. Well, that's um, a little clunky there on the on the outro here, but uh, hey, it, it ain't over yet. 
can, we can redeem ourselves. <laughs> uh, just reset it here. Thank you. I uh, uh, took up a lot of your time here, my man. Thank you very uh, much no for problem. jumping on this, uh, this space, this podcast, whatever you want to call it. Good fun. Thank you again. Look forward to uh, reading that column after or, and listening to that podcast after the national team roster comes out on Thursday. Yeah. Sports Center. Yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, thanks for having me on. It was fun. I appreciate it. Um, I, I look forward to listening to it next week when I won't <laughs> be on. But, um, but yeah, keep up the work, Tom. You're kicking my ass, but that's good. It's fewer phone calls that I have to make. So, um, so keep it up. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. It was a good time. Yeah, man. Thanks again. Always a king. See you, brother. See you. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus.